Scott is an ordained Methodist deacon serving on the North Georgia Conference staff. He is the associate director of the Center for Congregational Excellence. Um, he spo- his focus is mission and disaster relief. Uh, prior to uh, serving on the uh, staff, which he's done since 2014, he was at uh, Trinity on the Hill in um, Augusta. And there he uh, focused on mission activities, and secondarily, he headed up the church's campus ministry, evangelism, and discipleship. Uh, he, he began his career in 1993 at Littleton Street UMC in Camden, South Carolina. Uh, Scott has over 25 years serving in, congr- in a congregational life, and now almost six years on the road <laughs> in the conference. He lives in uh, Appling, Georgia, which is near Augusta. He drove over this morning to be with us. And we're so fortunate uh, to have Scott put us on his calendar. He is very, very busy. He serves hundreds of churches, literally, in North Georgia and around the world. So for him to take time to come to CUC, to me, is big. That's big. Uh, Scott received his Bachelor of Ministry degree at Bruton Parker College in Mount Vernon, Georgia, his Master of Divinity at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He completed his United Methodist Studies at the uh, Erskine uh, Seminary in Due West, South Carolina. And he's got extensive experience in uh, youth mission camps. And Betty Hunt, I told you this six months ago, he, he's very involved, has been, with the Red Bird Mission. That's an organization that we support. Well, Scott was born in Savannah, near, um, near Savannah, on the farm. Uh, he and Monica had three children, two of whom live in, in the Atlanta area, and one still in high school, living at home. Um, Scott will credit his well-rounded work experience from having grown up on a farm in South Georgia, and working in the Claxton fruitcake business. <laughs> if you ask Scott about his hobbies, he'll, he'll tell you he enjoys life on the farm. Uh, he enjoys uh, tending to whatever crop is in season and raising heirloom vegetables. But most of all, he gets his kicks by putting pictures of his goats on social media. <laughs> Let's welcome Scott Parrish. Does most of that stuff sound made up? <laughs> uh, you leave the goats outside? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I left so early they were asleep this morning. <laughs> they, they didn't really know what was going on. But It's a pleasure to be back with you again. Um, was with you in August. And, uh, well, my wife was shocked that I'm returning to a church. <laughs> um that says more about me than than you, I think, um, because with 800 churches in North Georgia and living in Augusta, you know, most of my world is bouncing around from place to place. Uh, but it is great to be back with you again. And uh, you, you, you folks are so hospitable. It's it's always wonderful to be with you and drink your coffee and uh, live off some of your energy. I have I have a few items here that in a minute, in a few minutes, I'm going to get rid of some stuff. 
you know, Methodists, especially that live out of their car, always have swag and usually, <laughs> usually are trying to lighten the load just a little bit. Now, um, I was almost going to present what I did in August to see if you'd notice. <laughs> I wondered if I could get away with that, but I, I won't do that. Um, and probably I'll push forward, in which case you may never see me again. <laughs> um, so I told you, Jeff, I show off a goat. So this is a baby season for goats on the farm. Um, uh, I laugh. I've got friends who have sheep, but I'm the clergy who has goats. Uh, this one uh, was a bathtub baby for a while because the mom wouldn't uh, wouldn't nurse it, and it it was a preemie, and we had to spend a lot of time with this goat. So this goat's a lot more like a dog than, than an actual goat. Uh, my my world is a, a wonderful, uh, strange, interesting world. <laughs> of bouncing around not only to congregations, but to communities. Uh, most of my uh, time in the life of the church, 25 years uh, out in Augusta, I would often show up at a conference meeting, like once a year at annual conference, asking, Are, am I still in North Georgia Conference, or ha have I been traded to South Carolina or South Georgia? Um, and so I was never seeking like a conference position or any kind of position. I was happy to be in church and community. Uh, so now, um, uh, well, you know how God works, God's sense of humor. Uh, I ended up in this position I wasn't seeking, but the, the beauty of it is I get to bounce around and see a lot of churches and a lot of communities. Uh, as we're all trying to figure out what does it mean to be a church on the move uh, in, in the community. Uh, not bound so much by the building and the certain hours that were open and y'all come uh, because that day is quickly disappearing. Uh, and so more and more we have to be a people on the go who uh, break down some of the barriers and, and um, enter into new and different relationships in the community to help folks know um, what it means to be Christian and what it means to be the church. Uh, so some of my farm life really transfers uh, into this work of mission and ministry. Uh, maybe you'll re recall in August, I was showing off my grapes. <gasps> some of you remembered that? Yeah. Really? <laughs> well, well, I couldn't have gotten away, Jeff, with showing that old, old slide then. Um, and, and my point was, that often we have to prune in order to produce. We have to prune in order to produce. Uh, so a lot of my day-to-day my -day job is helping congregations stop doing what they've always done that comes very naturally, very easily with the people that we've got and live into what God's calling us to do. So creating some space um, and creating some new energy and opportunities with those who are yet to be in the church. Does that make sense? A lot of church life of the last 50 or 100 years has been to keep us happy. And more and more congregations are trying to figure out, well, okay, we're happy or I can be happy. <laughs> like when you get up at 5 a.m. and eat breakfast early to jump on the road at 6. I mean, I can choose to be happy with that and, and embrace what it means to follow Jesus and, and love the church and be available to who's next for the church. So we didn't seek a bathtub baby. This goat lived in our bathtub for like three weeks. I would not advise that. <laughs> uh, 
But we had to do that to help this little baby live. We had to we had to change our life and our practices to to help what what would be. So some of what I talk about is being everyday missionaries. Um, now, when I was on staff at the church as a mission guy, like people, you could tell either they were coming toward me because they had something that they wanted or needed to say, or people were running away from me <laughs> because they didn't want me to pull them into some something, you know, <laughs> that maybe they didn't have the skills for, the time for, the energy for, the money for, the, you know what I'm saying? So I... That taught me that quite often when we hear mission or missionary, it's easy to think of somebody else, right? Uh, In my church in Augusta, we could more easily pull together a medical team than we could a construction team. We had doctors and nurses and medical people everywhere. Could barely get together a construction team. But we we could pull together a medical team. Uh, So it was funny how many people then in the church would take a lot of pride in the medical teams, but if they saw me coming, they'd quickly say, oh no, I'm not medical, because they didn't want to be talked into anything, right? Sometimes on staff, it seems like that's what our job is, to to talk somebody into something, to pitch a product, to, to help an activity or a program to take place. It's so fun, though, if each day we wake up, we realize that we have what we need to be a servant of God, to, to love God and to love our neighbors ourselves. And so I'm not here to pitch a particular shirt, like to pull you into disaster response, because most of you, if you've got any sense, would say, oh, no, I don't do chainsaw work. <laughs> oh, no, I don't muck out houses anymore. As a friend would say, I don't have a muck out body anymore. Um, so I'm not here to talk you into anything except to follow Jesus with abandon and offer what you have, your prayers, yourself, your skills, your energy, whatever you have to to serve God. Um, the fun of some of this is we can think of it as individuals and we can think of it as a group. If I'm called to be in the mission of God to follow Jesus, that means I can't just say, oh, I just do discipleship or I just do prayer or I just do whatever. <coughs> but Day by day, I'm called to be in God's mission in the world, to, to love God and to love neighbor. It also means as a group that we can encourage one another. And that's one of the things I really love about this crowd. The way you, um, well, you, you push each other, you challenge each other, you encourage each other. You, you do that in all the right ways with one another to, to, keep, to keep after the best things. Uh, Lots of missional principles I talked about last time. That'll be on the test later. Uh, Also talked about some of your local demographics. Some of of what we're experimenting with again is what does it mean for us as a church, as a group of believers, to be a mission movement in the community, to to break down uh, some of the barriers or perceived barriers between church and everyday life. Uh, and so we talked some about some of your demographics last time, uh, if you recall that. A huge ongoing growing population, which for this outsider, I don't see where they're all going to be on the road. Uh, this is three miles, currently at 74,000 people. Soon you'll be at 85,000 people. You'll continue to grow. Average age of 38 uh, in the area. Um, sometimes mission, we 
churches can tend to focus on poverty. Your poverty rate in the area is 8.7%, so you're not a poor area, you're more affluent. Uh, and then a, a mix of, of ethnic groups. Uh, so that's some of your context for mission. And we could talk through all the reasons to, to go, to be sent, to no matter uh, who you are or your age or stage or whatever, how God can still make use of you. And the, the glory of this is how we can um, pair up our time and energy with others, right? Two by two, but also 72, also others who, um, th- there's this beautiful flow of us being sent by God and then coming back together. Being sent by God, coming back together to share the story, to, to bring in outsiders to become insiders, to encourage one another, maybe to comfort one another at times. Uh, so the mission field really is right here, <laughs> and you're God's missionary. Uh, I'm not sure if that'll be the sermon today, but uh, in my simple South Georgia way, I would say that's a pretty strong sermon. Uh, you, you're a missionary sent by God. Uh, God's relying on you. And so some of the, the activities of, mi- of a missionary are study and prayer and giving and going and following Jesus and adapting. Uh, that that adaptation piece is really central to a lot of what it means for us as individuals and congregations now to to keep on after this following of Jesus. Uh, and then this uh, this graph at the bottom, and I can send you this if you want any of this afterwards. You may just want the goat picture, uh, but it, it's, it's a beautiful flow of what it means to be in God's mission uh, day by day, week by week. Uh, now, I, I want to share a few mission fields that you may not have considered before. Uh, sometimes we think of mission fields and we think of, uh, we think of the poor or we think of an ethnic group, uh, but one of the biggest mission fields today in the United States is this mission field of loneliness. Uh, I think I heard it early on in some of the prayer concerns, how isolated we can so easily become. Even if we're well connected, all it takes is a change of life, a medical emergency. I mean, there are all sorts of things that can spiral us out of a group and down a lonely one-lane road, dead-end road. And that's for folks who are connected. For folks who aren't connected... Uh, it's even more challenging. Uh, for folks who are new to an area, uh, how challenging is life? For folks who move into a subdivision and they just live at home, in the car, and at work, and that's all there is to life, you repeat that every day, um, how, how lonely an existence that, that can be. So this mission field of loneliness really is a huge arena for, for you folks to be active in to have uh, eyes wide open and ears wide open to who God might reveal to you day by day. Now, I'm terrible at this. Can, can I just go ahead and confess that? My wife is the one, you know, like if I go to the store, Scott is in the store, gets his item, looks for the quick lane, and is out of the store in record time, right? And some of you are that way too. My wife, on the other hand, she takes her time. And people see that in her, and so she's the one that gets into the conversations with people that then she tells us and we're like, how did you find that out about that person in, in you know, 10 minutes in the store? How did you learn all of that? People are so eager to talk and interact. 
if we see and we're aware. I may have told you back in August, uh, I had an old friend. This was back in the 90s at Trinity on the Hill, maybe like that first year or two of Disciple Bible Study. And we were in one of those conversations about um, why are things like they are today? Why couldn't it be like the old days? And we got into one of those conversations. And I thought some, I thought she was going to say, well, the problem is TV. But no, Miss Sue Miss Sue said, well, you know what changed everything was air conditioning. <laughs> it was air conditioning. And so then I'm like, what? It was air conditioning because in the old days in Augusta, where it was always five or ten degrees hotter and more humid than here, we would go out on the porch and sit to cool off. And everybody was on the porch. Or maybe you would walk around and you would see everybody on their porch and you would take time with people, see people, and share sweet tea and, and talk about, we wouldn't say sweet tea, we'd say tea. <laughs> and, and you'd catch up with each other. But now we stay in our air-conditioned home and we jump in our air-conditioned car and we, we don't interact. It is a, a gift to interact with people. And more and more... We've got more things that distract so that we interact even less. What a gift it is to be aware of people and to, to interact. Uh, there are lots of major studies out about this, this epidemic of loneliness. They're using that word, epidemic. Um, lack of community, no face-to-face -face interactions, increase of social media use, and Miss, Miss Sue would say air conditioning. You can think of other things. Um, you know, the funny thing about loneliness, though, is you have to know people well enough to, to know if something is true, right? Like, you got to know somebody well enough to know if they're an extrovert and they act a certain way or introvert and act a certain way or, or whatever. We've got to know people enough to know when they're lonely. Because most of us aren't going to wear a sign and say, talk to me, I'm lonely. Uh, You've got to be more like my wife than me, see people and hear people and take time for people. Well, this mission field of loneliness is, is begging for missionaries. And it's something you don't have to be a medical doctor or a carpenter to do. Begging for people who will help others to be seen, to find a place, um, to, to be heard. Um, somewhat related is this mission field of addiction. Um, I put this in here because a lot of our, our churches are, especially north of Atlanta, are in neighborhoods of great affluence, but also in, in neighborhoods of great loneliness. And somewhat related to that is this, this mission field of addiction. Uh, our children and our grandchildren who are, are struggling with things that we may not understand at all, but it's become a way of life for them to to cope. So as I thought about this scripture, I keep thinking about the harvest is plentiful and the workers are a few, but it, if we see that the harvest is plentiful, we may hear a, a new fresh calling that surprises us, right? Like sometimes with a mission Sunday, we might look at other people and think, oh, this calling is for that crowd or that person or that skill set. But maybe, just maybe, God most needs people like us, people like us who have some time, who, who can hear the call of God and hear the call of neighbor and respond in some fresh ways, maybe even in some situations that are so far beyond our skill set, but we make ourselves available.
uh, lots of stats about um, the opioid epidemic and especially in your area, uh, some of what that means. Um, because of that relation to the mission field of loneliness, it's, it's something to be aware of, to keep in your prayer life and to keep, to keep your eyes and, and your ears. Uh, this next area is the, the last one I'll share with you. I'm not sure when we're supposed to get out of here. My buddy Leonard Scarborough. Do you know Leonard? Uh, I, I heard the Bereans were to be here at 1030, and I also heard that he was going to find me at 1030 because we do some disaster response type work together. Uh, and I heard something about your disaster response work. Are you collect? I saw all of you handing money to 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 a Boswell over here. <laughs> I, I was just trying to drink coffee, and I kept seeing this line of people coming up, handing over, handing over funds. Uh, and I, I heard more about some of that story and what you're doing and how you're helping uh, in Mississippi. And uh, and again, I'm grateful for what you're doing in that. Uh, sometimes people think of UMCOR and think it's. Uh, like it's a large organization, like a firehouse full of people with skills. And the reality is um, UMCOR is about 10 people who are paid. And that's why 100% of your funds can go to UMCOR to the disaster because it's just a handful of people uh, who have skills and do training and help with the funding and, and those pieces. Uh, but the reality is that the day-to-day -day workers, the day-to-day -day missionaries, the, the in-the-field UMCOR, it's, guess who it is? It's us! <laughs> and I'm the lead guy for UMCOR for North Georgia um, and continually say to congregations, you know, real, the reality is UMCOR is us. We have to be ready for disaster in our own community. That disaster may look like a tornado, probably won't look like a hurricane up here, but who knows? Um, could look more like an ice storm or could look like something. So if a disaster hits a community, are you ready to, to respond? Are you ready to have the community in? So it's a beautiful thing to connect with locals on the ground in Mississippi who are the hands and feet of Christ and who need the partnerships beyond that locale, the, the prayers, the funding, and the outside team. So, again, in Scott's living out of his car and always getting rid of stuff, uh, I'm going to give you some some swag, some Methodist swag. There are only a few of these. So like this is like the gold standard. The gold standard of Methodist swag. You have to be like the lead person in an annual conference to get these things. So, but uh, in appreciation of the Boswells and of your class, again, that kind of partnering together, um, I'm going to give you some Methodist swag and say thank you for what you're doing and keep after it. Uh, if you haven't donated, they've got the big bag now. <laughs> right? They've got the big bag of money now. But thank you, thank you for what you do because it really is. Uh, it, it's us hearing and seeing and responding and being sensitive to the moment uh, that that uh, helps us be useful to God, keeps growing our soul in ways that we can't anticipate. A beautiful, powerful thing as our souls continue to, to grow, as we're transformed into the image of Christ. Uh, and as people look at us and think, can you believe that class did that? Can you believe that person did that? Um, this also makes me think about 
this next generation. Uh, sometimes in church work and in life, you know, we look around and think, what are our kids or our grandkids doing? Uh, I've got a 28-year-old, a 23-year-old, and a 16-year-old. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, so the doctor said we would never have a child. And, and so the first was a miracle, the second a blessing, and we should have known better by the third child. <laughs> the, the doctor was not correct. Um, and they're so different. The, the 28-year-old and 23-year-old lived in a different world than the 16-year-old is growing up in. Yeah. Totally different kind of experience. Uh, but what I'm learning, um, um, again, is in God's sense of humor, um, sometimes it takes a lot for a South Georgia guy to, to get some of this, but um, to, to be more responsive to God and to those around me uh, means I have to be more flexible. Uh, I, I have to be more adaptive as I continue to follow Jesus and with a freedom and an abandon that um, well, it, it's more like walking on a tightrope, maybe, sometimes, without a net underneath. Uh, but as I think about this next generation, your, your numbers are huge in this area for the next generation or two. Uh, and so I was thinking the harvest is plentiful of that younger crowd that I don't get. <laughs> but the harvest is plentiful. And, and this group is the next church. And they're not going to do life, and they're not going to do church quite the same ways that we've done all those things, but they still need all of that. And they still need God, and they still need one another and this connection into the life of, of a congregation. Uh, so again, uh, you, you've got huge numbers, and if you like the demographics, I can send you all of that so much that you, you'll spend the rest of the afternoon digging into it. Um, but I, I, wonder, I wonder in these things what your legacy will be. Uh, and that's a conversation we're having in a lot of congregations. You know, what's the legacy of the church? The reality is that this morning, I, what's what's your count? How many people are in this room? 102. Um, that's larger than most of our United Methodist churches in North Georgia. I mean, we, we probably have this morning 300 churches, maybe 400 under 100 in worship. But the, the question whether you're a small group of, of 12 or a, a massive group of 12,000 uh, sometimes isn't about today, it's about tomorrow, and, and how today is, is leading into tomorrow, and how God is, is creating a tomorrow for a congregation. A lot of churches haven't been mindful of that, like what our legacy is. We'll spend a lot of time on what keeps us happy and I'm pointing at myself, because <laughs> I like to be happy, Jeff. I, I like to be happy. Um, I, I like things to roll the way I expect them to roll. Um, but what does it look like for us to more and more create a legacy of, of the next church? In our praying, in our giving, in our going, in our relationships, uh, th this sort, of, this sort mm -hmm. of thing that outlives us by 20 years, by 50 years, by 100 years. Uh, I think I told you my story about the farm. Uh, I married a girl from Appling, Georgia. Now, this is clergy. You, you know you're not going to be in a location very long. But um, Monica's daddy retired from Fort Gordon out of the Army uh, back in the mid-60s. He had left the farm on Mississippi. He was the eldest of like 10 siblings. And he figured uh, he joined the Army when he was 16, right after World War II, because 
in his mind, life would be easier in the army than it would be fighting for a biscuit and a sweet potato with the ten, those nine others there at home. And so he joined the army, spent a career uh, in the military, retired uh, out of Fort Gordon there outside of Augusta uh, and bought a little farm. But it wasn't a farm, so he cobbled it out of Y'all, it, it, it's really, it's like the, the toenail of Stone Mountain. <laughs> it, this farm, really, they had scraped the topsoil, which there wasn't much. They'd scraped the topsoil. So these 13 acres, it's kale and clay and granite. So it's good for pasture and it's good for goats, but it's not good for much anything else. Uh, sometimes in the summer, the sun is so hot, not from up above, but because it's radiating from underneath, from, the, from that rock that's just inches below that, that kale and clay. Um, but, but Monica's daddy is his place. He's 91 now. He wasn't going to leave the farm. Monica was trying to keep up our house uh, in Martinez. You know, that's the way we say that over there. It's not Martinez, but in Martinez. Um, and she was trying to keep up her daddy's place while I was on the road. And so we got rid of our house and we moved in with my father-in-law. So he gave up his master bedroom. Uh, my wife and I have the master bedroom and bathroom. Uh, my 91-year-old father-in-law shares the hall bath with the 16-year-old. <laughs> 16-year-old boy. It's, it's better, but it's still strange. But my, my son doesn't talk about this much at school. Between, between the goats in the bathtub and... Who's <laughs> yeah, yeah. that? Well, that'll soon be ripped out, I think. Um, but the and it hasn't been easy because, of course, we've still got all the stuff from the two twenty-year-olds. We we left a, a twenty-five hundred square foot home and moved into a fourteen hundred square foot oh. home, and he still has stuff from his eldest child who went to University of Georgia in nineteen seventy-two plus all the legacy pictures of the family. But we're together, and we've all learned new habits together uh, in, in ways that will continue the farm and will continue the legacy, and often ways that he wouldn't do things, but he's yielded his authority and his power to us for us to do what we need. Well, I see departures. It must mean the plane is about to leave. No, it's choir. Oh, oh I know. I, I, it works the same way in every United Methodist Church. I know the, the good choir people. But it's, uh, it's not a personal thing. I'm what you're but it's funny that you're leaving on the sent out part. So, that's right. We're sending you to serve God and to serve us. Um, well, brothers and sisters, um, th this thing of a, a legacy is, is powerful, and for me it's personal. Because I'm also realizing that, especially with my travels, my 91-year-old may live longer than me. But the things that we do today can make the most difference for tomorrow uh, in our praying, our giving, our going, our, our being missionaries in ways that fit us but also challenge us. Uh, and so I hope that as you... As you go through this day and you go through the days ahead, you don't um, just wear one like mission shirt or just think, oh, that mission stuff is just for so-and-so who loves it and who's called to it because we're all called 
We're all called to follow Jesus. We're all called to do that in everyday life. And we're all called to share God's love by our words and by our deeds. And that sounds like a missionary to me, doesn't it to you? So I hope you'll keep up the good work as individuals and as a group that you'll, um, well, that the best days ahead, no matter what those days bring, the best days to follow Jesus and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's uh, it's a joy to, to be with you again. I may not see you for another year or years ahead, <laughs> but I, I hope you'll keep up the best work. Uh, let's pray. Loving God, we do give thanks for all the ways that you can make use of us. Uh, we thank you that uh, following Jesus is such a practical thing in, in some ways, but in other ways, uh, it calls us to stretch uh, and to give a little more and, and to take another step. Uh, help us today as we seek to be your missionaries by our, our study, our praying, our giving, our going. Uh, may we give honor to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Scott. I'm sorry we couldn't have more time with you. We'll have to get you back again. And speaking of missions, we are going to Honduras in June, correct? Correct. Yes. We are going to Honduras in June. Pray about it. We'd love to have you. And I feel a road trip coming on. I'd like to go visit some goats. <laughs> I think that would be so much fun. We, we need the barn clean. Okay. <laughs> All right. Come here, buddy. Ooh, what's that pen? I dropped my pen. Hey, guys. I really have a, have a blessing for you. I know there's a lot of you that do know about these devotional books, but there are a lot of you that do not. I've, I've understood this today. Um, this is March the 1st. This is our devotional book that starts March the 1st. It'll be for three months. I know some of you need some help with your devotions every morning. Please take one of these and and uh, oops, use it, please. Um, if you want to give me a dollar for it, it's fine. Uh, the, the church, you know... The church just says you can have it, but if you'd like to give a dollar, fine. I brought 20 down here. Please, if you would like to have a devotional book today, I'll be over there by the... This is a quick heads up because it's too late to pass the clipboard. But I wanted to build on the momentum and the fun we had at the Mardi Gras party. All I saw that night was smiles and laughter and silliness and fun. And I wanted to get right on to the next social event uh, that we share as a class. So we're going to start early signing up for small group dinners. As you know, we meet in individual homes, uh, anywhere from six to ten people, depending on the size of the home. And we're going to start passing a clipboard next week. So get your, get those skills sharpened up, folks. Um, and we'll use March to sign up, and with God's blessing, your committee will be able to do those assignments, and hostesses will be able to start thinking about this in early April. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Hey, Perry, we have Mr. Perry. What's your new name? John I just want to say thank you so much for, like, seven and a half years of prayer for my personal life. <laughs> Fred and I, he's not here, he's in Minnesota, but we just thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for all the prayers and support and encouragement, letting us be honorary members of your class. <laughs> Yay, we're so happy for you, Barry and Fred. Very good. I'm just bummed I didn't get invited to the wedding, but it's okay. <laughs>
a good time was had by all, I'm sure. So I think we're done. And um, okay, pray like Nehemiah, obey like Daniel, lead like Moses, serve like Martha, believe like Mary, fight like David, educate like Paul, build like Noah, and more importantly, love like Jesus. Have a great week.